The Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose craft coffee line is changing the way coffee is brewed at home. KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee experts to engineer a new line of coffee brewers. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee. KitchenAid. Life tastes better with coffee. You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. My name is Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. Wes brings the quality. And Jesse brings the cafe. Last week, we finished our two-part explanation of extraction. You can always find our previous episodes on our website at www.thecoffeepodcast.org. Yeah, and there's always going to be more questions about extraction. Feel free to shoot them our way, and we'll be sure to get back to you uh, in whatever means we can. For sure. And don't forget, we're also doing a giveaway at the end of our homebrew series. Submit a picture on Instagram with your coffee stack. That is, the setup you use the most at home. Tag us in the photo and mention us in the caption at The Coffee Podcast to be entered into the contest. The winner will be chosen at random. Tag at The Coffee Podcast on the photo of your stack in order to be entered. Yes, sir, and we've been getting a lot of new... A lot of new things Submissions, of absolutely. the submissioners. So keep on doing that. <laughs> we've only got a few more weeks left, so be sure to get your submissions in. Today's coffee is brought to you by Greater Goods Coffee Company out of Dripping Springs, Texas. Hey, yo. What, what are we drinking today? We're drinking that Kenya from the Katuro. I don't even know if I can say that correctly. Kataru? I hear there's three different ways you can say it. Ketura, Katira, and Katsura. I like Katsura. That sounds pretty nice. I don't think that's a thing, though. Uh, but it, it this coffee just was submitted to the Coffee Review. I know you guys. I know you guys out there have heard of Coffee Review. Now, guess get this. Get it. They rated this Kenyan Katsuri. Wait, get me straight. R A I D. They rated that like a pirate ship, or like rated. They, rated. Okay. Like it's rated. That's quite PG. different. Uh, they rated it a ninety-four Gee. out of a hundred. Ninety-four. That's insane. Not to mention that all of Greater Goods offerings are. Um, Depending on the offering, they're linked to a uh, organization to which one dollar is donated per purchase to that cause. So uh, they're doing great things. Yeah, it's pretty in, awesome. It's local Austin. local uh, charities that they support um, for sure, which is just wildly cool. Absolutely. Also, we're going to be doing a shout out to Coast to Coast Roast. Yeah, we did kind of a small shout out on the show where I thought Wes had allergies. Yeah. Um, turned out not to be allergies, but that's beside the point. Uh, let's talk about how this works. Um, and we hope to actually be participating in the next month's Coast to Roast. Coast to Coast, coast Roast. To coast bro. Roasting growing <laughs> uh, next uh, month. So Tell us how it works. So for one, you match it up. Okay. Um, so basically what they do is they match you with somebody that they say is equally as passionate about coffee as you, and then they connect you with each other via email. Okay. And from what I understand, it's not 
really quite automated at this point. So somebody is literally handpicking the people that you're going to go with. And if I feel like it's like match.com in a way. It's it's like a very less romantic can version just, of match.com. Can you slide to the left? If that's swipe even, to the left. I don't think that's match. I think that's like Tinder. Oh, true. Um, and then what you do is buy. That's my favorite. Buy, buy, buy. Spend all your... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so what you do is you aim to find like your favorite coffee on the planet and then you send that over to um it's like a pen pal for coffee oh absolutely it's like a pen pal for coffee and we're (laughs) all about it because it's very it's good like relationship building stuff and if you didn't catch that already i'm all about that and so is west that's right and then it looks like you ship enjoy and share on instagram with the hashtag coast to coast roast say that seven times fast and you're going to find yourself in a very dark place So one of the very, the many, many trials and tribulations you face as a home brewer is the grand question, and it is a very grand question, it's a very serious question, how do I choose my coffee? Where do I start? There's so many roasters, there's so many roasts, That's right. there's so many regions, mm-hmm. there's so many HEBs in Austin, where mm-hmm. do I go? to choose my coffee west where do you, where where do we even start this conversation well i'll tell you about how i used to buy coffee oh my goodness <laughs> you know the 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 uh the pre homebrew years where i would go and buy like you know whatever's sitting in the heb hazelnut whatever bin and you're talking about the texas pecan coffee yeah 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 kind of like just like that mm-hmm. you know whatever had the more um, you know, sweet smelling coffee. That would be my best bet. I mean, that was in my bag. Um, but that's not how I choose coffee anymore. We're, we're just curious on that note. Would you pl- place it like next to your bananas in the cart or like when you put your coffee in the cart, did it matter where it went or did you just kind of toss it? Well, in there? I put it, you know, if you have, if you have a child, you, you put the child in the front. That's where I'd put it so I could, you know, smell it as I continued. Uh, <laughs> Ideally, you're not like smelling your children. Well, no, 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 like, but like you put a bag of coffee there in place of a child, right? And you get to smell the coffee as you as you continue okay. that's, uh, on with your your grocery list. But that's not how I choose coffee for today. Today, oh, okay. Today, uh, you know, I'm much more selective with how I pick it. Particular, would you say? I, I would say I'm I'm a little particular, um, and I would like to, you know, point out the fact that, you know, depending on where you live, sometimes. Great coffee is hard to find locally. Explain what you mean, because I, I think I know what you're saying, but explain it. So recently, uh, my parents had moved to a dry coffee town in Weatherford, Texas. Right. And when we say dry coffee, it's kind of like saying like a dry county has no alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a dry county for coffee. I mean, they've there's got, no specialty coffee. You there. can go to Walmart and, and buy a, a, a bag of you know, peat or whatever. Or even but, that like no brand, like the, like, yeah. like the, who is that? Mm. The European roast and the French roast. And yeah. So they live in a dry coffee town. So let me tell you what they do. Tell me. They text me saying, Wes, what coffee do I need to get? 
that's not always the case. Um, but the only way for them to get coffee is to find it online. And if you go online and you try to search coffee, you're in for a world of options and futures. You literally have the world at your fingertips. Markets. Well, literally, I don't know, but it's at your fingertips. Oh, yeah. The options are surplusous. That's right. That's not a word. Which is why I think it's important to have, um, you know, kind of a filter, like, which coffee should I go and buy? Do I trust this roaster? Should I trust this roaster? Is it a reputable roaster? How do I know if it's reputable? Well, there's an easy answer to that. And I think, you know, join in on the Instagram community and uh, get involved in the, you know, the posts by your fellow homebrewers. And you'll see uh, these vetted coffee roasters who have, you know, time and time again, amazed people on their countertops. So, I mean, I definitely think go follow some of those coffee gurus and they are always going to have some awesome picks for you. Awesome roasters to try. And, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, when I first got into home brewing, the way that I would go about choosing my coffees really had to do with the shops I was visiting on a regular basis. I would go to my favorite coffee shop. They'd serve me something up on, say on a pour over on the espresso machine And I would decide, wow, I really like that coffee. And sometimes they're either selling one by the same roaster or it's a different coffee by the same roaster. And I was able to kind of like decide like, hey, I like this roaster more than this roaster. And you start to to develop your preferences. And so if you have a favorite coffee shop in town, ideally they have some retail for you and can tell you more about that. And that's a good way also to choose your coffee. If it's good behind the counter at a shop, it can be good at home too. Yes, and I agree to that. So, now here's another question. What are we looking for in a roasting company? Is it all about the brand? I mean, when Jesse, when, you, when you're looking for a new coffee to buy, what does the roaster have to have in its bag, per se, for you to uh, go ahead and take the plunge and make the purchase. So right now I'm just going to talk about home brewing coffee. Yeah. And I can talk about buying coffee elsewise later. Elsewhere. <laughs> elsewhere. Elsewise, <laughs> elsewhere. Um, but when I'm buying coffee for myself, I'm, you know, I'm going to give in a little bit to the brand. I think speaking to roasters, just directly to roasters on this point, brand is important. And I think when I was a little more naive about it, I didn't think so. And the more I'm around um, the hospitality mindset, like brand really does sell your product. It's mm-hmm. important for you. Now, I'll say to the consumer or to the home brewer and to myself, kind of like you don't want to judge a book by its cover or its title. You don't want to judge a coffee by its brand slash its, you know, the bag that it's in. Granted, you can tell a lot about the coffee if it's in a high quality bag trying to preserve um preserve its freshness like that that does tell you something so there's certain tell signs so let's actually go through that really quick this is a lot more long-winded than i expected so if you see a bag that has sort of the oxygen release tab um that little that one-way valve that one-way valve that you see and and now a lot of um a lot of really nice roasters in fact greater goods does this i'm not just like boasting about them but they actually um they suck out 
the oxygen from their bags mm-hmm. when they're about to ship them out. Some roasters do that now. Um, and they, they normally tell you on the bag cause that's like a process that they actually really intentionally take care of, um, to give it a lot longer shelf life. And you're going to see those bags are going to look really tight. Yeah. Uh, you're going to almost see the beans through the bag, like mm-hmm. kind of like, it looks so cool. It's like you're buying a brick. Yeah. It looks like you're buying coffee. a brick of coffee. Yeah. And you're almost guaranteed to have like fresher coffee that way. Hmm. So that is important. However, the color of the bag, the lettering on the bag, you know, all those things. Well, I mean, it's just like branding. If you've got a nice looking brand, it's going to draw your eye to it, I think. Right, and, right. And, and uh, if it has the colors red and yellow, you're probably going to make you want French fries, you know? Like, yeah, branding yeah. affects you, but <laughs> don't let it <laughs> don't let it make you stop by the drive-thru and buy French fries tonight, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I'm looking for, Jesse, when, when I uh, am about to take the plunge is I'm crazy about... I didn't, it might Professional be, plumbing terms here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where yes. do you put your coffee? <laughs> uh, before I take the plunge, you know, I always, I always have to see um, a little bit of transparency on the back. I don't know why, but this is big for me. Uh, I love to see the, the region, you know. If you can give me the co-op, even better. If you can give me the producer, now we're talking, you know, and throw on the elevation there. I like to see that too. And if you've got varietals, you know, what the cherry actually was. What about certification? That's always fun. Is that something that you want to see on the bag as well? You know, that was, this is kind of like completely, I think it can be its own conversation. Um, Yes and no, and I'll get to that because that that is our very next question, I believe, on the oh, list. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Natural <laughs> but, conversation, but um, yeah, yeah. But so, so I love to see that information on the bag. Um, now, it's not like make or break for me. You know, if the coffee doesn't have it, that's fine. I'll still drink it and still enjoy it. But I will say, if I had to pick between one or the other. I would probably pick the one that had that info on there. And like I said, it's the, the region, the co-op, the producer, the elevation, the varietal. And one catch-all word for that is transparency. transparency absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's something we've talked about in the past, transparency. We've had interviews. Uh, we had an interview with the trader, talked about transparency, um, talked about different certifications and things like that. You can always go back and listen to those episodes absolutely. and we can link them down below. Uh, and now to get to your question, Jesse, does the coffee have to be certified? For me, I'm I'm just gonna flat out say no. And sometimes when I see a uh, you know some sort of certification on a bag like fair trade certified, like because of my skepticism in some areas of certain cert- certificates, I am less likely to buy a bag of a fair trade organic. I didn't say I didn't say what one. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to stay a little bit, you know, secretive. Okay. But okay. I have my preferences. If I have skepticism in a certain or in a particular certification, I'm going to probably not buy the bag, especially considering they're normally more expensive. I'm not going to put my money where I don't believe in something. And neither should you. True. Uh, do what you want, but you make know, good choices. And I, and I will have to agree with you on this, Jesse. You know, for me to buy a bag of coffee, it does not have to be certified. And here's something funny, too. Uh, you know, I, I do, you know, quite a bit of cupping on a day-to-day basis. And I, I cup coffees that are certified versus coffees that are uncertified. 
And I've, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of the time I like conventional coffees over like, let's say an organic coffee. Oh my goodness. You're going to really hurt Anna's feelings right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell her about this. Tell Anna about this. <laughs> dude, dude, which Anna? The one, the one you were. <laughs> You'll have to cut this out. Oh, yeah, dude, we'll, are you going to find a spot for me? I don't even know where to go. I'll find a spot. Now. Yeah, no, just talk about, just start from like. Oh, dude, don't sorry. Throw name drops of <laughs> random people in on this. So um, my bad. I was a little excited. What was I saying? I said. Um, in fact, I don't like, I'm less likely to buy if it says organic. And, you know, it's weird the fact that sometimes these conventional coffees taste better than these organic coffees. And, um, you know, and, and like you said, like if you don't believe, you know, in certain certifications, why put your money towards that? I don't I don't buy coffee for certifications. I buy it for uh, enjoyment. And, um, you know, the you can tell a lot about the bag uh, with a lot of other tell signs than just whether or not it was certified. Absolutely. I agree. So it does not have to be certified, in my opinion. Now, what would you say about buying coffee? Say, I only have a V60 at home. What kind of coffee should I buy? You know, that's a, that's a good question because, as many of you know, certain coffees shine better uh, on certain devices than others. Um you know, for instance, some are really good as a shot of espresso, whereas they're lacking a little bit in a filter or full immersion. So if you have in your mind, if you only, let's say, have a V60, you know, I would look for coffees that um, are going to be a little bit more on the lighter roast profile side. And I, I, I do say that because... And you're just talking about roast profile right now. On this point. Okay. Because I'm going to make another point here. and uh, You know, I think the origin you choose as well plays a big part. You've got to choose something that's going to have big sweetness to really come out on that filter very well. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've brewed um, a cup of coffee that was, you know, not as sweet in the cup. And when you filter it through that, that paper filter, it actually comes out thin and tea-like and almost sharp and unenjoyable. Yeah. Whereas if I have a, a coffee that I know is sweet and, I, and while I cup it, it's sweet, when I do a pour over, you know, that sweetness is still there and still big and it's nice balanced cup. So I would be looking for, you know, a Colombian coffee. Colombians, you know, are always going to have that big, sweet, either brown sugar sweetness or kind of pulp fruity sweetness and you know ethiopians of course are big go-tos because of that underlying sweetness and um you know and even kenyas have a lot of sweetness to them as well but uh you know for 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 that being said it'd be better to have more than one brewing device so you can really play around with it yeah and and i think too the the point you get to when you're recording recording (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pause the point you get to when you're uh, buying coffee for specific devices i think you're kind of further down the road like if you're just getting into coffee 
you don't necessarily need to be thinking like that. Yeah. I would say go on your instinct, go for what you you want to try out and try a lot of different things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on whatever brew devices you have. And I would say stick to one brew device so you can get to know it and then move on to the next one as you get more comfortable. It's just the best way I've learned to um, sort of learn. Yeah. So Now, Jesse, how do you dial in your coffee now once you've purchased it? So you've already been through the, all these steps. You kind of filtered out. You weeded out these nonsense. I mean, not nonsense. You've weeded out these these um, certain roasters, and you've selected specific ones, and you go in and you buy the bag of coffee. doesn't have to be certified. Whatever. The branding looks nice. Now what do you do with it? How do you dial that in? Yeah. When you hear the phrase dialing in, it really refers to getting that coffee to its most tasty point at home or in the cafe. In this case, at home. So what I would do is I'd kind of stick to like a, a stick to your guns whenever you start with a coffee, like keep the same exact ratio for that brew method every single time you start a coffee. Um, and we can link you or we can put a description in, in the podcast info to give you kind of a guideline. But, you know, start with the same amount of coffee, start with the same amount of output, start with the same exact grind for that brew method every single time you try a new coffee and you'll kind of create yourself a a measurement by which you can adjust your coffees over time um, that's actually going to make sense to you. So say you brew it the same way for each new coffee every time. This one, hey, I think I need to tighten the grind a little bit. The next one maybe is, oh, I tried it my measurement or my staple kind of ratio. Now let me adjust this. It kind of makes it easier, streamlines sure. your your kind of process. And so if you ever switch a coffee, I'd just be weary of ever just changing a lot of things all at once. Like tiny changes over time um, really seem to be helpful when you're dialing something in. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, my go-to thing for dialing in a cup of coffee is I will always brew it with, you know, a pour over device first, such as a V60 or the Kalita Wave, uh, you know, or a torch or whatever, you've got your go-to brew device that you, you know it's your favorite because you use it the most. I would do it on that, and I would do your, like you said, st- staple ratio brew method. You know, but once you do that, I think it's great to play around with your ratio. I do this sometimes, Jesse. I, I, I will change my ratio just to see, like, I've got a few I go to. i got a 1 to 15, 1 to 16, and even a 1 to 17. And I, I tried changing the ratio to see like, oh, wow, this coffee really opens up when I have a, you know, you know more water as an output or, oh, wow, this, this coffee really got big and intense when I kind of make that ratio, you know, a little, a little heavier, like down to the 115. And uh, when you play around with those ratios, the, the coffee completely changes yeah, and you can find <clears throat> which ratio works best for that coffee. Yeah, that that is sort of an easy way to adjust um, what's happening in the cup. You know, one to fifteen ratio is going to be tighter than a one to sixteen. Is going to be tighter than a one to seventeen ratio. And if we think through the extraction episodes that we did, as you increase the distance in the ratio, you know, one to fifteen, one to sixteen, one to seventeen, you're actually also increasing extraction. Um, 1 to 17 being, you know, a more water, more water, therefore extracting more of the coffee. But like, it's a little tricky if, 
if you start changing the grind and I just think about it when I when I think about ratio, I just think about dilution. And um but yeah, but sometimes as well I'll also change it to different brew devices. Like I'll run it through the the, the filter first and then I'll plunge it with the AeroPress. I like the word plunge. I guess I'm I've been playing Mario, Super Mario lately and you know, they're plumbers, so plunge. Maybe that's why, because they definitely are using a lot of plungers in Super Mario. We all know that. Uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll plunge on the AeroPress, and then, you know, I'll take it, uh, you know, in the hopper and, uh, and pull a shot of espresso as it. I'll, that, this is what I call running through the bases, and it's a lot of fun to take a coffee and run it through the bases and see, wow, this coffee is great as an espresso. It's fine as a filter or vice versa you know it just and then you get the most out of that coffee because you get to see the same bean being expressed in so many different ways so many different flavors and it really kind of brings a sense of uh you know fulfillment or or completeness or conclusion to the coffee when you finish that bag and you're like wow i feel like i got the most out of the bean now, let's move in to a more agitating direction. And that is the question here, Wes. What are your biggest pet peeves when buying coffee? My biggest pet peeve for buying coffee is when I purchase a bag and I open it up and it is underdeveloped. Dun, dun, dun. Too light. Hamster. Too light. There's no going back. If you pull a coffee too early, in my humble opinion, you saw your method. I am H O. In my humble opinion, if you pull that coffee too early as a roaster, it doesn't matter what you do. You're stuck with a coffee that is going to be underdeveloped, not not underextracted underdeveloped. I mean, you can extract this thing perfectly and you're still lacking in sweetness. You're lacking in some complex, you know, sugar browning or some complex fruit notes. You could be lacking in body. Even if you have a perfect TDS on your extraction, if you get super hardcore into it, if your coffee is under roasted, in my humble opinion, that coffee is only so good. Now, now imagine that this coffee was like a human being, right? And you walk up to them and they're just like, they're just, they, you know, their character is just lacking in sweetness. You don't want to be friends with people that aren't sweet. And so I'm just trying to apply this like in real life situations. Did you run into an old high school bully or something? <laughs> or what are you doing? I'm trying to relate this to real life people. Here's real, real life. Life. Here's real life for you. You get a bag of coffee that's under roasted and you brew it perfectly. It's going to taste blah. I mean, come on. There's no sweetness. Blah. And it's terrible. Like it's one of my biggest pet peeves because at that point, I don't really even want to finish the bag. Man, how am I going to find a better pet peeve than that? That was pretty good. Okay. Here's one of my pet peeves. Here's one of my pet peeves. Are you ready? Yes. My biggest pet peeve with buying a coffee is from a homebrew perspective, because I also buy a lot of coffee for a coffee shop. <laughs> but for homebrewing, it's definitely when the bag lies. Okay. And what I mean is when the bag is prettier than the coffee. So hmm. there's, there's all these times 
where like the bag is just beautifully crafted. It looks so pretty. And then you go to cup the coffee or you go to make it at home and you're like, oh, maybe I just did a bad job that first time because look at the bag. It's so pretty. Right, right. And then you make another and you're like, what's going on? And then you make another and you're like, I paid 20 what? And then Yes. <laughs> yeah. What did I pay that for? And then you're crying in your room at night every single night, crying yourself to sleep. And that's just, really, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve. Wow. <laughs> that was good, Jesse. That was good. <laughs> okay. What makes a coffee worth the time and the price? When you say time, what, do you, what are we referring to? Worth the time of vetting out all the roasters, uh. searching through all the websites, listening to your homebrew guru's suggestion taking the plunge and buying the coffee taking the plunge you've paid 20 some odd dollars for the coffee what makes that all worth it in the end well the total end game is you know that cup of excellence not in the sense of like the cup of excellence but like a cup of excellence that you brew at home for yourself for your family for your sister mm. You know, that moment of like, wow, coffee can taste this good? Yes. Those are the moments that are totally worth it. Or, wow, I've never had anything like this before. Oh, yeah. Those are the moments for sure. And it happens. Oh, yeah. It still happens. How long have we been doing this? It happens. And it's like like Christmas morning every single time. Yeah, it's like Christmas morning (laughs) every time. Turn on the jingle bells, because, man, it is (laughs) snowing in my mouth. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so great when you can bring that moment to someone who's really never had it before in coffee. Um, That first cup that just blows them away. Now, here's the last question. Are Instagram pictures a must? Hmm. Does anybody ever say, is... XYZ a must anymore. I don't know. But yeah, they're definitely a must. I mean, taking pictures of your coffee is part of the fun. Absolutely. I mean, you got to like get that funky angle. You got to like get some of that light shining in there. You got to get some of the Christmas tree in the background because it's Christmas year round. Year round. When you're getting that coffee on. Yeah. And that's what you got to do is get it with the hashtags on it. No pick never happened. Yeah. And that's where I stand. Yeah, my my actually my younger sister taught me that very thing. Yeah, no picture. She's never told happened. me that so many times that now it's like law. Like now I know it's true. Yeah, so I haven't had coffee in months. No picks never happened, bro. All right, now we have a question from one of our listeners, and we're so excited. Every time someone ever submits a question to us, it it just rocks our socks. So like, much fun. Like, even when I'm wearing flip-flops, like, straight up, my socks jump on my feet, then they jump back off, because yeah. it just blows them off again. No, actually, he, he probably puts socks on just I, to yeah, take them off. Yeah, it's the strangest thing. Yeah. But we have a question, and uh, Wes, I'm going to let you read it off here. Jesse, how do you feel about drinking hot brewed coffee poured over ice versus hot coffee allowed to cool in the fridge? I've been in shops where they simply pour their drip coffee over iced for their iced coffee. But I also will save some excess coffee at home by placing it in the fridge and 
What do I gain and what do I lose by doing this? This is a question that it's, I know, not a rare thing at all. Um, in fact, like if I brew too much coffee, sometimes because I just want to drink it later, I'll throw it in the refrigerator. I get that that's not like the specialty way, but that's okay to do that. Now, what's important is it's not the optimal way to drink your coffee. Absolutely not. Wouldn't you agree? Throw, yeah, it is not the... Yeah, to throw your it's coffee... It's not the traditional way. It's definitely not a, like the, the like calculated specialty way of brewing coffee and drinking it. Um, I mean, in my answer to this question, we did answer it in the email, but um, you know, cold brewing your coffee like a Japanese style or a cold brew like to an actual spec to drink it cold for the intention of it being cold is the best way to brew your coffee when you want to drink it cold. Uh, now, throwing hot coffee over ice to me is never an answer to brewing coffee ever. It's like one of my least favorite things to ever see. I better never see it ever in my shop, ever. And just to clarify, <laughs> pouring a pitcher of hot coffee that's already been brewed over ice is not the same as flash brew. That, yeah, just that's absolutely sure. not the same as flash brew. Flash brew requires like... Brewing you're including, over ice. Yeah, you're brewing over ice and you're including the ice in the overall Ratio. equation and the ratios, that is completely, that's like a technique. Pouring hot coffee that's brewed for hot coffee over ice dilutes it. Does It doesn't just dilute it. Maybe it's in my head, but it makes it so terrible yeah. in my eyes. It does an incredible amount of it, damage on the human body as well. <laughs> that is so true. Last time I did it, I was out for a week. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of on the same page uh, with Ryan and the fact that sometimes when I don't finish my cup of coffee, I will put it in the fret, the fridge. And a lot of the time in the morning on my way to work, all sleepy eyed and everything, that cup of coffee is actually pretty good. I've had some pretty good coffee that is hot before put in the fridge, allowed to cool overnight and drink it in the morning. And was like, wow, I'm happy with this. This did the job. It was good. Now, would I do this as a uh, a, a method of preparation? No, not, not entirely. But if you ever have to do that, I think it's definitely worth putting it in the fridge rather than pouring it down your drain. Yeah, it's not a coffee cardinal sin whatsoever, if that's the question. So by all means, leftover hot coffee, if it's worth the pallet, save the pallet and put it in the fridge and then drink it the next morning. Boom. And we just want to give a thanks out to Ryan Baker for sending us that question through our email. And you can always send us inquiry at thecoffeepodcast.org or you can PM us on our Instagram at thecoffeepodcast. Absolutely. And be sure to check out our iTunes and leave a rating and review. Remember, we talked about Coast to Coast Roast. Check them out on Instagram. Easy to find at Coast to Coast Roast. And you're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. Happy brewing.